When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're here, back at mini camp. Back at the King's Castle. We're fired up. Let's do it. Let's ride, baby. Seventeen teams in minicamp this week. Lots of news as a result. Welcome to NFL Live. You see him right there. Dan Orlovsky is here as well as Keyshawn Johnson. And coming up a little later, Patrick Mahomes is really optimistic despite being without Tyreek Hill. We're going to tell you exactly why. Jeff Darlington will join us with some news. That's a really close-up shot on you, Dan. Uh, we began... Did you like the move with the camera? No, I didn't. But it right. was, it, you know what? It was actually pretty cool. I'll give you some credit. Thank hey, you. that's Justin Herbert out there at Chargers minicamp. He's getting ready to go. In fact, he's expected to speak to the media soon. We'll bring that to you if and when we get it. But either way, you see him out there throwing it around a little bit. And speaking of Justin Herbert, if you think about the last two seasons, he has positioned himself among the best QBs in the game. His 69 touchdown passes, the most by any quarterback, through two seasons in NFL history. That's one ahead of Hall of Famer Dan Marino. And even though the Chargers lost some close games last year, it's hard to blame Herbert, right? His 14 touchdowns in the fourth quarter in overtime in 2021 led the NFL, and only Matthew Stafford had a higher QBR in that situation. I guess then you say, well, why were they in those situations? But that's maybe a story for a different day. Dan, how much pressure is on Justin Herbert to lead the Chargers to the playoffs this season, especially in a really tough AFC West no, I think it's bigger than just the playoffs. I, I really believe that it is AFC title game or like disappointment or bust for the Chargers. Wow. Um, I think their roster, you can make the claim, is just as good as anybody's in football. Like who, who or what is their weakness? I think it's even on par with Buffalo's, who many believe is the team to beat for the Super Bowl. And I, I just think the talent that they have accrued underneath Tom Telesco, their general manager, around Justin Herbert are so good. Now, there's two, I guess, concerns or question marks I have for this offense moving into next season, which is AFC title or bust. Number one, I think they're going to get the Patrick Mahomes treatment. Tons of shell, really good receivers, big, powerful-armed quarterback. We're going to play two safeties, force you to run the football. There weren't a lot of teams that made the playoffs last year that were bottom 10 running the football in yards per game. The Chargers were one of them. So they're going to have to, even though it's not their strength, Learn to, when teams dare you to run the ball, be able to do it. And the second one is he was so remarkable on third and fourth down last year that it skews a little bit of uh, the success of their offense. That's not something that you're going to hang your hat on year after year after year. And I think it's simply put, we talked about this a little bit during the season, Ruddy, is we want you to be better earlier. You know, play better on early downs earlier in the game, not just Justin, but the offense as a whole, so you're not in those fourth quarter or need to have it fourth down situations. Yeah, Dan, you know, you, you talk about AFC championship game or, or bust, so to speak, based on what this team has put together. When I go back and I think about the Chargers, not necessarily the 
L.A. Chargers, but I go back and I think about the San Diego Chargers and just making the playoffs. They've been in the National Football League 56 seasons and only gotten to the playoffs 14 times. So let's just start there. They've been in Los Angeles five years and it sniffed the playoffs one year, and that was a wild card game where they eventually lost to the New England Patriots in the divisional round. Let's just get to the playoffs. I think that is where Justin Herbert needs to start. That's where his mindset needs to be, as well as the Chargers organization. I understand that they are the sexy pick for a lot of people because he is a big, tall drink of water with a laser of an arm. They got skill position players on the perimeter. They got secondary help. They got a pass rusher in Khalil Mack. It looks good. But at the end of the day, just get to the damn playoffs. That's it. One game in the playoffs to make that fan base be happy about the Chargers. Wow. I, listen, Key, I'm not sure uh, Chargers fans or even the Chargers team themselves are going to be that excited if they only just get there. I agree, I man. think with the, the roster they've assembled, and Key, you laid but it out Laura, there really well. They, That's a they good don't roster. even sniff the playoffs. They I get it. That was happy the past. They had Herbert for two seasons. And they hadn't no, had any I'm of the guys they about, have now. I, I'm talking about just the history of the organization. They should be happy just getting there because Hmm. they're not a perennial playoff team right now. Maybe two years from now, three years from now, we could talk championship Super Bowl, but not right now. All right, well, the computers kind of disagree with you a little bit, Key. Uh, ESPN's football power index is really high on the Herbert and the Chargers as it currently gives them just over, yeah, the Herbert, an 11% chance to come out of the AFC and reach the Super Bowl. That's the second highest mark in the conference after the Bills, who boast a 13% chance to make the Super Bowl per FPI. Now, the Bills haven't reached a Super Bowl since 1993, but there's Certainly plenty of optimism right now in Buffalo. Listen to this. We've got the highest expectations out of anybody. I know you can look at the media and you can hear different word after different word and different thought after different thought, but you know we're here for one goal, and that's to win a, a world championship. So we're, we're trying to do everything we can do. And, again, we're not putting, putting too much pressure on us because we know what to expect. Um, but in terms of going out there and executing, we're, we're just trying to get better and, and play the best football that we can play. All right, Key, bring us back down to earth here. You buying the hype? That <laughs> no, the we already know Key dancer. I already know <laughs> Key's answer. The Bills, the best team in the AFC, Key? I, I don't think that they are. Oh. I, I think that they are one of a handful of teams that are at the top. I don't separate them from Kansas City or Baltimore. For that matter, I don't separate them against Indianapolis. Indianapolis went to Buffalo and took them to the woodshed, and I know that was a year ago. I understand all of those things. Look, the way that I look at things, they were an 11-6 football team last year. They opened up losing to Pittsburgh and Ben Roethlisberger. Then they got their stuff together, and eventually they lose to Jacksonville. They had a tough loss against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in overtime. And so when you start to think about this football team, they're really good with Josh Allen. There's no question about it. He is on his way. But when you lose an offensive coordinator who predominantly has been in your ear Mm. in Brian Dable to the New York Giants, he's been in your ear over the last couple years and somebody else is now calling plays, it's going to be different. It's not going to be all rosy, and I think people out there really think that because Josh Allen is somewhat of a veteran quarterback that they just go – Take right off and start where they stop. I mean, start where they finish that, and that's not necessarily the case. All right. So the Bills are the team to beat in the AFC uh, again because of the <laughs> roster that they have put together. The AFC's loaded. There's no doubt about it. I-, I think that the Bills are the team to beat because if you look at defensively, I think today in in modern NFL football, 
to be an elite defense, which the Bills are, your back seven, meaning your linebacker or nickelback and secondary crew, has to have five cats that can flat out cover. Yeah. And with their two safeties, with their nickel Teron Johnson, with your Davius White and Kyer Elam, their draft pick out of Florida there, they got five cats that can cover. The second thing is you have to have linebackers that can play coverage. Matt Milano, one of the best covering linebackers because of the way teams use tailbacks and tight ends in the pass game. You have to have it. And then you have to have at least two elite rushers. I don't care where they are, but as an offensive person, if you've got an edge rusher and an inside cat, I got issues. Hmm. The Bills have that. And then I think offensively, there's many different ways to be really good offensively in the NFL. One of my favorite ways is the way that the Bills are built is they can be really um, game plan specific with their matchups. I could give you seven names on this offense Mm -hmm. that can create problems for defenses. We're going to say Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, Davis, Jamison Crowder, the two tight ends, Knox and O.J. Howard, and then their tailbacks and Singletary and their draft pick, James Cook. Those are seven guys that if they want to line up and put two tight ends in the field and play smash mouth football, they can. If they want to spread you out and throw it all over the place, and you got to remember, Laura, Key, Key knows this as well. Those fourth and fifth options in the pass game are going to be matched up against lesser players. It's very New Englandish from hmm. 10, 15 years ago. They're going to get a Jamison Crowder on a fifth corner, and then he's going to be able to the guy that wins a lot. I just think they're built in such a unique way and in solid way, yeah. they're the team to be. It's not just depth. It's valuable depth that can yeah. be interchanged when you need it to be. It's a really good point. Also, one of my favorite things about Keyshawn is it takes so much to impress him. Like, nothing impresses Keyshawn. Nothing. Key, key, I didn't there, say I wasn't key, impressed. Key, they're kind I of good. You know, maybe I'm might be okay. I'm just not buying into the I love hype. it, Key. Key, stay there. What does great. this team need to do for you to buy into the hype other than you played for the Jets? What do well, they well, need go, to go? Here, here's what I would tell you, Buttercup. Go on the road and win a game in the playoffs. There we go. Go on the road and win a game in the playoffs. All right, Buttercup Orlovsky. That's his name for the rest Why of the show. More news today, you guys. Steelers defensive star Minka Fitzpatrick has received an extension, making him the NFL's highest paid safety. Four years worth more than $18.4 million per year. $36 million guaranteed at signing. It's the first major deal, by the way, negotiated by new GM Omar Khan. Gets Fitzpatrick over Jamal Adams, $17.5 million per year. And it's no surprise that the Steelers made him the highest-paid safety. Pittsburgh acquired Fitzpatrick midseason in 2019 from the Dolphins. And since he made his debut, the Steel Curtain's defense has been unreal, allowing the lowest QBR and completion rate, along with the best defensive efficiency, which measures success on a per-play mm-hmm. basis. Mm-hmm. Dan, what exactly, though, does Minka Fitzpatrick bring to that Steelers D? He lies to the quarterbacks. And, mm-hmm. and just speaking from a quarterback's perspective, I, I would tell you the hardest thing for guys at that position is when defenses don't tell you the truth. When a, a safety or a secondary player, and Mika's probably the best, if certainly one of the best in the league of giving you false information, yep. and that forces you to start to doubt yourself. The disguise of coverage, where he aligns at the snap. Is he going back towards the sideline, back towards the middle field? Is he dropping down? Is it single high? Is it too high safety? And he's constantly lying to the quarterbacks with his pre-snap and post-snap disguise. And it maybe doesn't force one mistake on that play, but it was, what it does is you start to play slower and slower and slower as a quarterback with trusting your eyes and the things that you're seeing. It forces hesitation, and then it catches up to you later in the game. It's very Ed Reed-like when it comes to that wow. position. Um, I think that's what he, he really brings as a secondary, as a safety player, 
and why that Steelers defense has gotten so much better since he got there. Yeah, you mentioned forcing some of those mistakes. He has forced his turnovers as mistakes. Since entering the NFL in 2018, Fitzpatrick's four defensive touchdowns tied for the most in mm, the league. Good number. All right, much more coming your way on NFL Live. We're just getting started here. The New Orleans Saints started mandatory minicamp this week with a stockpile of offensive talent across the board. Here why Dan thinks the Saints have a chance to take the NFC South title from Tom Brady's Bucks. And later, Kansas City added multiple weapons of wide receiver. Find out why Patrick Mahomes is excited about this new group of receivers. But without Tyreek Hill, will it make the Chiefs easier to beat? It's all coming your way on the show. NFL Live is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Bundle and protect today under one roof. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. What if in 2024 you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Try Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. It's designed by real people for real conversations. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. They have over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash tackle. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash tackle. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash tackle. Rules and restrictions may apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Game one of the Stanley Cup final is tonight. Steven Stamkos and the two-time defending cup champions, the Tampa Bay Lightning, looking for the three-peat against the Colorado Avalanche. Our coverage begins at 8 Eastern on ABC and ESPN+. Plus. How about this? Uh, our Rich Samini took this photo at Jets minicamp today of tackle Mackay Becton. He wore a shirt that reads, Big Bust with fat, lazy, injury-prone, out of shape, printed all around it. Becton said he's going to make his doubters eat their words. Dan, I know you have a similar shirt. What do you think of this move? I was going to say, I need to get that shirt for some of my friends back home. <laughs> um, I, I, to be point blank, he's the key to their season. Yeah. You know, I know it's a funny shirt and all that stuff, and I hopefully he's, he's taking those words to heart. If Makai Beckham is healthy and he plays like he was as a rookie, then the Jets' offense will be very good this year. It if looks, he struggles with injuries, then, then we got some issues. Yeah, it looks like he's using a lot of that criticism for fuel, at least right now. It's beach season. He knows uh, what's up, buddy. Yeah, that's no weights, no dates. Shirt. Okay, let's read and react to the latest around the league. Lots of star players speaking this week. We begin with the Jets. Quarterback Zach Wilson said this. 
you know, I think there's a lot of times where we're running certain concepts and, you know, now I'm starting to think back to many reps that I've had that the defense looked just like that. And I'm able to eliminate quicker, get to a backside read because I'm, you know, oh, last year I saw it in whatever game it was, this exact defense, I know that's not going to be there. I can move on. Whereas last year it was, you know, I don't know how this is going to play out. Let me hang on it a little bit. So it's, you know, your process speeds up once you start to understand what's going on. I mean, I guess we'll see. I really do have a lot of confidence in myself to be able to see. Um, you know, obviously, I think I can be one of the best. And I think if anybody doesn't say that, then they're not a true competitor. Dan, what does Zach Wilson need to improve to show he's taking the next step? Yeah, two things, but I really like hearing him talk about that because hmm. coming out of school, he was a reactor, not a thinker. And, and he's talking about reacting faster, so I love that sound. I'll give you two things specifically. Number one, um, the, the ball handling and the footwork that are tied to, to together in this offense are huge. And then the second thing is hit your layups. Last year, so many short arm throws or pulled the string throws trying to be perfect. It's almost like Lamar in his second year. Hit the layups and allow the talent to take off. To Baltimore is where we go next. Rashad Bateman should be ready to go for Lamar Jackson in that Ravens offense. Here's fellow offensive weapon Mark Andrews on how Bateman's been looking. He's running great routes. Um, a lot of his releases and everything like that, he's getting open at the line super, super quick. Um, and then he's got a burst of speed that people don't really talk about. Um, and again, second year, he's a guy that's, that's just going to get better, better, and better. And um, sky's the limit for him. Key, you expect Rashad Bateman to have a big year? I do expect for him to improve on that 11-yard average per catch that he had a year ago. He missed some time coming in as a rookie. And I think when you look at his coaching from T. Martin, from uh, the coaches that are there, they should be able to get him to play at a high level. And I think he will. I'm not 100% sure, but I think he will. Yeah, T. Martin said today, Key, they've got a chip on their shoulder. That's interesting. Let's go to the Saints, guys. Were Jameis Winston on the field again? He's ready to make a comeback. He spoke yesterday to the media. Let's listen into what he had to say. I think that's one thing about having a, a veteran guy with, with great savvy. Like, he's just a baller who knows how to get open, right? And I really admire that so much about him because it's, it's, it's a part of that where uh, – that's, that's the receiver's job, right? Hey, get open. Like, no matter how detailed the route is, no matter, you know, the, the, the specific coverage, man, when you find a way to get open, you get the ball. <laughs> Talking about Michael Thomas there, and that makes a big difference. Jeff Darlington joining us now on the show. Jeff, what is the latest on Jameis Winston as he works back from that injury? We've seen him out there, but what's the timeline look like for him? Right. Well, Laura, you saw that brief footage of him dropping back, and that's ultimately what, Jameis is able to do at this point. He can do full-speed dropbacks. He isn't doing a lot of scrambling at these, and he isn't really doing a lot of maybe the full conditioning that the rest of the team is doing. But he is absolutely on pace right now to be ready for training camp. That's great news for the Saints. And ultimately, he will be wearing that brace that you see there during the season. So again, not to be alarmed by the brace, not to be alarmed by any of the things he's not doing. He is right on track right now to be ready for camp. Yeah, you'd love to hear it. And Key, one of the big stories around the Saints is all of the offensive weapons that they've added, you know, grabbing Chris Olave in addition to the draft. So when you think about all of that, how do you think they should do this? Who should this offense run through for the Saints to have success? Well, I think, first of all, when Michael Thomas comes back fully healthy, which I expect for him too, you know, wink, wink, I see him a lot. I think <laughs> that that, <laughs> offense, that <laughs> offense runs through him, yes. and then it goes yes. to Alvin Kamara, and then <laughs> it goes from game to game. Pete Carmichael, who is the offensive play caller, remember he called plays many years ago when Sean Payton was suspended, so he has experience at doing that. He was with Sean yep. the entire tenure, 
in New Orleans, so he knows what a big dog Mikey is, and I'm sure it'll run through him. Yeah, it'll be nice to see their offense with him back, right? Yeah. You almost sometimes forget that he's part of that team, and you won't forget him when you see him back on the field. Dan, to that end, are people kind of overlooking the Saints as legitimate contenders in the NFC this year, considering the Bucks and the NFC South with them? Yeah, absolutely. I think that they're the third-best team in the conference and absolutely have a chance to win that division. I think the thing that – Sean Payton, their ex-head coach, did best for Jameis Winston was almost get him to play in a defensive mindset, in a, in a protective mindset. And I never say that about quarterback play. It's almost to put it in a baseball reference. Like, he took him from always thinking he was in a 3-1 count where, hey, man, if you get something you like, just swing away at it to, hey, we're 0-2. And you just got to choke up on the bat and just find a way to put the bat on the ball. Let's, let's, let's protect the plate. And I think Jameis did a really good job of that. And again, I'm so against that mindset usually because to be great at that position in the league, you got to be aggressive. Right. The ball's got to be put in harm's way. But I really believe because of how good this roster is and the talent that they have and the identity that they have, that if Jameis plays with that mindset of like, all right, I'm an 0-2 hitter. I'm just trying to get a bat on the ball and put the ball in play, make the defense field the ball, so to speak. I think that's the version that we saw before he got hurt last year, and I think that's the best version of him for this football team. He knows baseball well, too. Jameis played a lot of baseball before he really committed to football. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, too, because I buy what you're saying, especially considering the weapons that they have. Sure. He can be, and this is not his game, but he can be a distributor. That's Let all they those need him guys, to do. Exactly, yeah. and, and I, I think the question is, his mindset, is he able to continue For a second year in a row. Because last year, year it was the, like, hey, rebuild your career, right. so to speak. And he kind of did that. And is he going to now think, I got to go do more? Yeah. Or is he going to sit there and go, that is his sweet spot? And, and I agree with Keyshawn, with Michael Thomas. Like, their offense always starts with him. I think the really cool thing about this offense, because of the pieces that they have, Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, you mentioned Chris Olave and Kamara. Yeah. Those four pieces can play anywhere. I yeah. mean, all those guys can be moved around in different places to really diversify their offense. I bet they'll do that. Defenses won't know where those yeah. guys are. Every time they line up, there's a lot that can change. All right, coming up on the show, Tony Pollard said he's willing to do anything to get on the field, and that includes lining up at receiver. But can he replace a true wide receiver? Well, he doesn't think so. Shocker. He'll tell you why next. <laughs> Keep it right here on NFL Live. We'll be right back. Yeah, smile. <laughs> We know what we have in this locker room, and we know what we can be. What a strike from Dak Prescott. The expectation is for this team to contend for championships. My confidence is through the roof. Wings the ball. Touchdown, Prescott. Let's go! This offense needs to run through Zeke and Tony Pollard. Touchdown, Elliott. How about Tony Pollard? Definitely didn't take a step back. Uh, we're going to continue to get better. Line them up. We're ready to go. Let's talk Cowboys. Tony Pollard has been sneaky good while Zeke Elliott gets most of the shine for them. Let's talk about Pollard because last season he had the second highest yards per rush among running backs. Also showed off his burst, averaging the sixth fastest speed at the line of scrimmage on rushes per NFL Next Gen stats. Pollard's workload will certainly expand in 2022. Mike McCarthy even talked about him taking reps at wideout as well. Listen to this. I think he has that respect as a perimeter player, but I mean, if you, if you break him down, you know, which defenses have done and, and will continue to focus on. You look at his route tree, you know, so we, we got to be, you know, in tune with that. We, you know, is, are we just going to play him out there and run a couple things or is he going to be a legitimate receiver threat? So, I mean, those are things that you, you look at and work on in the offseason. And, and Tony has, you know, the, those characteristics and capabilities to do all that. 
Key, you buying Pollard as a legit threat at wide receiver? Look at the smile. <laughs> I'm buying it because I look at it as you detaching him from the line of scrimmage. It does two things, and you notice, Dan, it helps the quarterback identify the coverage because when you detach a running back out and split him out wide, somebody's got to go with him. Is it a linebacker going with him? Is it a safety going with him? Telling you exactly what coverage it is. Look, I played with Richie Anderson with the New York Jets and the Dallas Cowboys, and he was a hell of a receiver out of the backfield. He wasn't a pure wide receiver, but we did things to get him the football. He ran hitches. He ran screens. Hmm. Every now and then we put him on a slant in a three-by-one situation, but he won't be a pure wide receiver like Amari Cooper. There's just no way. Yeah, I think the reality, too, is that Tony Pollard at Memphis had more receiving yards than he had rushing yards. So Good he reminder. played the position yeah. in many ways in their kind of spread offense. I think for the Cowboys division is, can Tony Pollard be our Debo Samuel? And Keyshawn, you know this better than anybody. There's a difference between a guy who runs routes and a route runner. The, the route runners of the NFL are the Keenan Allens, the Stephon Diggs. There's a bunch of guys who go out and run routes, and I think Keyshawn hits the nail on the head is, this is a person that they want to get 10 to 12 touches a game. So how can they do that? And sometimes it's going to be perimeter schemes, screens or slot screens, slants, hitches, um, different ways to get him touches. And if he can play that Debo type of role where, all right, we've got this really good football player. And, and Key, you'd, like, you'd be the person, can you answer this? Can you teach a guy, hey, we're going to give you these five routes. And if you yeah. make these five routes look the same from the line of scrimmage to five yards, you're going to be really difficult to stop, right? Yeah, what, what, here, here's what he's going to run. And I don't even have their playbook in, in front of me. <laughs> He's going to run a slip screen. Yep. He's going to run a he's going to be the outside guy on the hitch running uh, on the china route where the, the corner routes over top right. of him and he has the hitch on the pull up. He'll be the end guy on the double end, you know, the indie where sure. one guy Five goes in, in the yep. second guy comes in. He'll be that guy. And for the most part, he'll run go routes on linebackers, strong safeties in the weakest corner that they can yeah. find. And in the RPO game. You yeah. know, stuff Kellen in the Moore's slot. Yes. Like, oh, yeah. That was my entire playbook. Yeah. Thanks, guys, for putting it out there. But it is no secret. <laughs> you mentioned Tebow Samuel, and we can all kind of visualize what that might look right. like. Now, the reason we're talking about this is because the Cowboys, to y'all's point, shipped off Amari Cooper during the offseason. C.D. Lamb now takes over the number one wideout role in Dallas. And Lamb's 153 catches, the most by any player in his first two seasons in Cowboys history. Lamb, also the only wide receiver in Cowboys history, record 1,000 scrimmage yards in each of his first two seasons. We talked earlier about how hard it is to impress Keyshawn. You've told us for years now there are only a handful, Key, of true number one wideouts in the NFL. Does C.D. Lamb make the cut? I think at some point in time he will certainly make the cut. I wouldn't put him in that position right now because, look, it's easy for coaches and front office people to look at a guy as a number two and say, oh, he can be our number one. Well, the guys that he's going up against aren't double covering him right now. He's not facing the top corners in the league. He's getting the second and the third guy. Yes. Now, all of a sudden, you put him in that number one role, the primary target in the passing game. Now you're facing multiple coverages. You're looking at guys that are different now that are all-star, real all-star players. So I think he can. It's going to take time. No, I don't think he'll do it overnight. Yeah, Key reminds me of when A.B. left Pittsburgh and Juju mm. had to go from the two where he was yep. dominant 
to the one. And I remember doing the breakdowns of saying, well, now safeties are going to lean towards you. And it's going to yes. be harder even in that one-on-one -on -one coverage for you to win. Or you're going to have to beat that bracket, that double-team coverage. Are you good enough to do that? It's a completely different world. No one would know better than Keyshawn. So I don't know if he's ready for that, that, uh, that yet. I would tell yeah. you this. If he is and he wins, better catch the dang ball. Because Ooh. since he's coming to the NFL, he's third in the league in drops. Mm. He had eight of them last year, which were, again, third in the NFL. And so while he might be able to consistently beat that coverage and he might be talented enough, you can't be that dude dropping the football like he has since he became a Dallas Cowboy. Yeah, man, the drop sees, that's not it. Mm -mm. You can't have a drop sees playing receiver. You, you should have seen Key's, Key's face watching all those drops right there. That's that's not music to his ear. He was right, ready to throw up. <laughs> I know. Key's nauseated. We're going to give him a break right now. So let's get to Kyler Murray out at minicamp for the Cardinals. Plenty of talk swirling around when his new deal he wants will be done. Seems like Arizona wants to do it. The question is when. Cliff Kingsbury even said this week he's praying it's before training camp, and the expectation is that it would be. So Kyler's future in the desert is in question in some ways, but that's not the only issue surrounding this Cardinals offense. Jeff Darlington back with us here. And Jeff, what is going on in Arizona right now? Jeff is silent. Let's read his lips. I'm going to stall until we can get his mic to work. Is it going to work? It's not going to work, so we're going to go to break. But either way, hopefully we'll get that big update from Jeff around the corner here. And They're still stalling more to come in contract on NFL Live. talks, too. <laughs> yeah, they are, exactly. A lot more to talk about as 17 teams are in mini camps this week. We'll get to the questions around the new commander's quarterback, Carson Wentz. Dan is going to give you the most important thing that he has to do to find success in D.C. We'll be right back. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So glad you're with us today on NFL Live. We promised you an Arizona Cardinals update, and that's exactly what you're going to get here as you see Kyler Murray out there at mandatory minicamp. A lot of questions around the new deal that he wants, even though it seems like that will happen at some point. But either way, there's more to be figured out as we bring Jeff Darlington back in here. What's going on with this Cardinals offense, Jeff? Laura, it's a real good news, bad news situation for the Cardinals. The good news is a lot of it feels like it can be remedied, but the bad news is a lot of drama and uncertainty still floating around. We have the Kyler Murray situation that we've obviously talked ad nauseum about. No deal done yet, despite optimism. But now we have another one. Center Rodney Hudson has not been uh, excused from his camp absence at minicamp. 
Cliff Kingsbury saying that they're going to try to work out whatever is going on. He didn't want to get too far into it, but Hudson is under contract for two more years. So it feels like that's something that they've got to worry about here. And then, of course, we should also point out DeAndre Hopkins will be suspended mm. the first six games of this season. So a lot of weird things going on in Arizona. Maybe they'll figure it out. Yeah, it's probably good to see Kyler Murray out there at minicamp for all those reasons you just illustrated there, Jeff. Back to one of our other top stories this week. Washington wide receiver Terry McLaurin holding out of camp, waiting for a new deal. As has become apparent in this wide receiver market, you either need to be willing to pay a guy big money or you're going to let them walk and someone else will. Here's what Ron Rivera said about Scary Terry. We've been talking with with his folks uh, probably the last week. And, uh, you know, working on some stuff and, and, and hopefully it'll be taken care of in a matter of time. All right. Um, how much time? Don't know. But um, the, 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 it's never contentious. I can, I can promise you that much. So we're feeling pretty good and pretty confident at some point this will get done. McLaurin has excelled in a big way when it comes to contested catches. Since entering the NFL in 2019, his 684 receiving yards off tight window throws are the third most in the league per NFL Next Gen, only trailing Devontae Parker and Mike Williams. McLaurin, the only Washington player to record back-to-back 1,000-yard receiving seasons since the start of 2000. Wow. So enter Carson Wentz, who's hoping really hard that this McLaurin situation gets resolved ASAP. Wentz now in his third team in three seasons. So, Dan, what needs to change if Wentz is going to find success ownership everything is your fault Uh, that's one of the things that you get taught at a very early age at that position both publicly and privately ownership of everything that happens is on the quarterback and you take blame for that and Laura what happens is when you do that as a quarterback it becomes really endearing to your teammates and that's when that team gets together and it goes from yeah he's a good player or he's a good teammate to I'll go die for that guy I'll go ride and and if that happens for Carson Wentz, because the reports are that it doesn't happen, if he chooses to do that, finally, I think because of the vertical speed that McLaurin and John Dotson and Curtis Samuel has, that that really fits Carson Wentz's style to push the ball downfield. Now, if it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Hmm. But if he decides to say, hey, I'm going a, I'm to a be a grown adult about this and take ownership of everything, this offense has got a chance to be pretty good. Yeah, you know, we were saying that this may be the best group of weapons that he's had in his entire career. It is. There you go. Russell Wilson attended his first Broncos minicamp this week, and we got to see him working out with the new wide receivers. You see him right there, headlined by Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. And, Key, lots of talk about Russ's arrival in Denver, but we haven't heard much about the guys he's going to be throwing the ball to. So what do you make of that group there? You know, their best wide receiver is no longer in Denver. He went to Seattle in the Russell Wilson trade. But when I look at Jared Judy and I look at Courtney Sutton and Tim Patrick, those guys have got to elevate their game. they got to take it to the next level. Some would argue they could have if it wasn't for the quarterback play of Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater, so to speak. Now they got a guy who has been a perennial pro in this league, a Super Bowl champion, so there shouldn't be any excuses. They've got to go out there and put it all together if they plan on doing anything in the AFC West. Yeah, we said earlier this week, Mina Kimes talking about she doesn't expect that offense to look any different than what Russ has always done, right? He's going to want to cook, and they probably should let him. So Russ is fully established as the guy in Denver, but how about his old team in Seattle? Jeff, take us through some of the quarterback competitions going on in camps around this summer. Let's begin with the Seahawks. Laura, yeah, quite a few in camp this summer, and the Seahawks are definitely the most interesting because Drew Locke and Geno Smith are the two quarterbacks tasked with overtaking this starting job. 
Right now, Pete Carroll has said that Geno Smith has the edge just based on his familiarity with the system and his experience overall. But Locke, probably the younger, more athletic guy who could make up some progress during camp. Right now, though, Geno Smith does have the edge. Let's move to the Steelers. We've got Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett there. And from my conversations in Pittsburgh, it does feel like Trubisky has the clear edge when it comes to this competition, mostly because his leadership is standing out. His experience is definitely there. Pickett, no knock on him. He's doing a good job with his development. But for now, it does feel like this is Trubisky's job to lose in Pittsburgh. A very similar situation in Atlanta when you have the veteran and the rookie between Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter. Now, Marcus Mariota, again, has the most familiarity with Arthur Smith's system in Atlanta, so it feels like he should have the obvious edge going into camp, but certainly Atlanta is excited about what they're seeing out of Ritter. He is picking up the offense. Again, just like Pittsburgh, no knock there, but it feels like the veteran has the edge entering into camp. All right, Jeff, as we go new on NFL Live, let's stay in Atlanta because you have just got to see this fantastic catch from Kyle Pitts out of camp today. This with a pass thrown from Marcus Mariota, who you see right there. And my goodness, I mean, is this guy even real? No, he's not real, actually. That should make Falcons fans excited. He liked it as he should. Congrats, Kyle Pitts. That was fun to watch. Up next on NFL Live, the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes are excited about the new pieces they added on offense. But will it be a big adjustment playing with the former MVP? Well, Key surely doesn't think so. He'll tell us why coming up. Keep it right here. team to ever be assembled. The block by Lisa Lesson. They've been called the women's dream team. It was almost like overnight the whole country had discovered women's basketball. This is the part people never see. I didn't do it for myself, but I did it to change the minds of other people. We were servants for what the game has become today. So we've given them an opportunity to dream. Tune in tonight for an incredible 30 for 30. And let's get back to football here. The Chiefs rebuilt their O-line last offseason. We'll get to that in a minute as we check in on Chiefs camp. We've got some new weapons out there for Patrick Mahomes. Smith-Schuster there catching the ball. As you see, 15 out there. What was that? A little toss. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's like it's camp and he's doing stuff like that. You can't get enough of this guy. All right. As I said, they rebuilt their O-line lots offseason. Now Mahomes' weapons are looking different since the departure of Tyreek Hill. Since the start of 2018, Mahomes and Hill's 41 touchdowns were the second most by a quarterback-receiver duo in that span. But KC was able to snag wideouts. You just saw one of them there, Juju Smith-Schuster and, Schuster and Marquez Valdez-Scantling in free agency. They also drafted Western Michigan Sky Moore in the second round. Here's Juju on this offense. I think that, you know, with this offense here, I think we got so many guys who do so many different things. You know, it's all around. Uh, we're not, you know, just, hey, you go here, you go there. It's like, hey, everyone plays every position. Everyone knows what everyone's doing. And uh, I think, like, that right there helps out a lot going into the season. Jeff, as you often like to remind us, you know, you spent time with Patrick Mahomes, and, and you did recently. You talked to him. So any sense of how Mahomes feels about all the changes at wide receiver this offseason? Well, it's funny you should mention that, Laura. I did, in fact, talk to Patrick <laughs> Mahomes. And, look, 
I, I want to be careful that I, I don't overstate his words because I don't want to make it sound like a slight of Tyreek Hill. But I can tell you right now that, that he is excited, and he is an optimist, but he is excited about what he has in the big-bodied receivers that he now has on this roster. Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Juju Smith-Schuster are both over 200 pounds. Uh, it, what, he, what he said about MBS was that he's even bigger than he really thought. Wow. He's like six foot four. And what he's really excited about is the distribution and the versatility that these guys have. I think it's definitely going to be more of a committee approach at wide receiver, but that's something that he likes. So, uh, again, I don't think anybody can look at Tyreek Hill leaving as a necessarily a benefit to this team. But if they are going to pivot into a new direction, uh, I would say that Mahomes definitely sounds excited about that direction. But, Key, is it really as easy as just throwing these new wide receivers out there and finding that connection? There was something so magical at times about Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. How would you describe what that process is like for quarterback and receiver? Well, I think you're going to get more of a traditional route running receiving group, right? When the quarterback hits the fifth step, the timing is there for the receivers. And that's pretty much what you're going to see with this group. Now, here's the issue that you have by not having a guy like Tyreek Hill. You have to get on the same page on off-schedule plays. You Mm -hmm. have to know that Patrick Mahomes is going to continue to keep working. When you think he's sacked, all of a sudden he breaks free. You've got to be alert and be ready for that. And that's where... The learning curve comes with the wink, wink, look at me. I'm not pointing, but I know with a head nod where you're going to be. Yeah. You know where I'm going to be. That's where it comes into play at. Yeah, Keaton, you know this. Like a lot of times coaches try to take an unstructured play like the scramble drill and structure it, right? You'll get on the board and they'll be like, okay, if the quarterback breaks the pocket to the right and you're the receiver on the right that's closest to the quarterback, you turn and run deep. And, you know, if you're the deep receiver, you come short. And if you're backside, make sure you work with the quarterback. I just think that that is the case for most quarterbacks. And I think that these receivers, to Keyshawn's point, are going to have to learn, well, if I'm the deep receiver and I'm 40 yards downfield, because Patrick's arm is so ridiculous, I don't have to come back to the ball. I can go to 60 yards down the field. Wow. Or if I'm backside, think of that play against Baltimore a couple years ago on fourth down. If I'm backside, it doesn't mean I have to work with them. I could actually work away from him because, again, his arm can make some throws that most quarterbacks in the league can't. And I think, to Keyshawn's point, it is that type of uh, timing or connection that they're going to have to get on rather than, hey, five-step out, 12 yards out on the sidelines. Yeah, it's, it's all about body language and, and, and everything, especially on a scramble drill. If I know this is what Patrick Mahomes likes to do, so if I'm running a deep crosser and he's flushed to his right yeah. and he's trying to lob the ball over the defender, I know he wants to put it a yard before the sideline. Right. So I <laughs> have to take that potential, that angle. Or if I want to pull up and he wants to throw back across his body because there's a huge cavity, I need to know he's going to do that without yeah. him pointing. You know how quarterbacks yeah, yeah, point? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you don't need See to do that. All way. he has to do is do – all he does is this, mm-hmm. and you automatically know he wants me to stop. Well, right. and all I can think about here is the defensive perspective on all this because the Chiefs have been so difficult to defend, right? Yeah. This is a different-looking offense. So, Dan, what do you think defenses who are going to have to prepare for the Chiefs, especially those who are going to see him multiple times in a season, what is their outlook? I, I think this offense will be harder to prepare for. I just don't know if it's going to be harder to stop. You know, Tyreek and Travis were so special that you kind of knew some of the stuff that they were going to get into. You know, if, 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 
If Travis was by himself on soloed out, then Tyreek was at the number three position. Here comes some of the crossing routes. Or if Tyreek was by himself, then Travis was at the number three, and they were going to try the cross with each other. And, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster used a word that I actually have written down in my notes for the offense, and it's going to be versatility. Yeah. And I think because of all those different pieces that they have, I think defenses are going to have to sit down and go, well, they can move all these guys in all these different places. It's going to be less predictable. I just don't know if because of the lack of explosiveness, I think it will be. I just want to see it happen on the field that it would be more difficult to stop. I mean, I would love to add more value to this conversation, but really the rest of what me and Mahomes talked about was golf and Coors Light. So really, Laura, I just keep going with Dan and Kim. You, know? you know, I'm glad I'm glad we got that in there. Coors Light was a big theme of the, the whole time oh, there. You don't like Coors Light? Dan? Oh, I do. I love okay. this big fan. Yeah, Dan doesn't like uh, any sort of beverage, I like actually. golf, yeah. Golf is a good hey, one little, for him. Little, little John Travolta, Dan. Won't you pull out your chain, man? Let it hang oh, outside your jacket. Golly. Don't make him unbutton any <laughs> more buttons. Yeah. We've already got too many unbutton here. Yeah. Time for one more thing before we go. Today it's a fun fact from Falcons long snapper Liam McCullough. Listen. Here's a fun fact. Australia, in terms of diameter, is wider than the moon by about 370 miles. Yeah, no duh. Wow. Uh, what? You? I've been known that. How did you know that, Dan? I got a kid who loves weird facts. Okay. Well, okay. That's a good excuse. Dan, um, what do you want oh, to tell us about? Oh, I got to give some shout-out. Shout-out to shout the boys. Out. My best friend from home, Brett Connor, head coach of the Fairfield Ward baseball team in Fairfield, Connecticut. Won the state title, number one team in the state. I love yeah. you. Good job. But Woo-hoo. I got to shout-out the boys. I live in Westport, Connecticut. All right. Staples lacrosse team put an absolute <laughs> beatdown on Darianne on. to win the state championship. First time ever. Boys beat them down. Let's go. Well, not be there, but the boys hammered on. Beat Darian. Darian had not been beaten like that, that for like 30 years. So <laughs> my kids love lacrosse. Shout out to Staples, Coach Kachansky, the boys. Well done. Great game. Buttercup Orlovsky, everybody. Em. Right here. Hammered them. Also, that's like a medium shirt, and it fit over your entire suit. No, Beach this is a season, guys. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not. It's definitely not. Uh, so hey, I got to be careful here because these are kind of like rivalries. Yeah, what are you doing? That's the boys on. He said the hat made your ears look big. <laughs> <laughs>